Welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect, a sports podcast like no other. I am your host, Mitch Michaels, and I am always delighted to have you listening. Great show planned for you today. I'm going to talk NFL free agency with my boy, my college brother, Ryan Souls. A lot to talk about. Drew Brees retires. The Cardinals loading up around Kyler Murray. A lot of insight, exciting insight to be talked about today. It's an interesting time for the NFL. We break down all the free agency drama and what to expect on deck as well. And then Sean Sullivan, Sully, coming on the show to talk March Madness. It's finally here. There was no 2020 tournament. 2021 is back. We break down all our favorite bets that we like, some we don't, and try to figure out what's going to happen at the Big Dance. Sean Sullivan and Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, it's time for another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch Michaels here alongside now Ryan Souls calling in for a good, good NFL free agency discussion here. Ryan, thanks for joining the show. We've got a lot to talk about today. This this might even be more than when the actual season's going on. Yeah, man, the, I can't remember a free agency this crazy, and the league year just started, and you know I'm I'm happy to be here. What you talking about it? Well. We're going to get to the specifics of what's happening and why certain things are happening with the salary cap going down. But first and foremost, I want to give props to uh, you know a legend that we all thought was retiring and uh, made it official this past Sunday. Ryan Drew Brees, whose passing numbers are you know on an island by itself, and what he's done in the NFL and in his career after hard to believe after 15 years in just in New Orleans. He's going to call it quits, uh, leaving behind a legacy that was very important, a, uh, a Super Bowl championship, but maybe maybe more important than that, Ryan, the connection he had with the city of New Orleans in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. A great career and a connection that I don't think many athletes ever get to experience with the city. Yeah, I think you know the connection is, is obviously the, the thing to talk about and the, the thing I think people who aren't Saints fans or even NFL fans know Drew Brees for just his, his impact on the city of New Orleans in the wake of Katrina and after. But for on the field, I think what people forget, too, is, you know, this guy was almost out of the league. He had torn his rotator cuff, didn't pass a physical with Nick Saban's Dolphins, and everything just happened. Sports just has a way of, of doing certain characters like that where – Things just happen how they need to happen. He ends up being the perfect quarterback for that city, ends up being in the perfect offense, gets himself a Super Bowl. And, you know, when, by the end of this year, I'm sure he'll be number two in all these categories. But the fact that he, you know, retired as the leader in so many of these categories is it's just ridiculous and speaks to how great of a player he was. They, uh, you know, this is a guy, Ryan, who was counted out in a lot of ways uh, with his size, with you know his background, going to Purdue, being a second-round pick. They mm-hmm. draft Phillip Rivers, and, and then he gets injured. It's almost like the excuse to kind of give the job to Rivers. And, you know, he was somebody that had to, had to earn everything that he got. And, you know, the Super Bowl championship, the awards, the accolades, Ryan, I think what I'll remember most is he kind of changed the mold. Like, for me personally – we were brought up in, in, in the in the mindset of you kind of have to be a, a certain size to play the position. You have to have certain you know certain gifts, certain arm strength gifts. He played it a completely different way, and the in the formula that him and Sean Payton had uh, was really revolutionary. And I think it did open the door for a lot of quarterbacks that came after him that weren't necessarily the tall big guys with just rocket arms. A hundred percent. You know, I don't know if we see a Russell Wilson, you know, without Drew Brees and. You know, you're 100% right. His accuracy numbers, I think, speaks to just what he knew he didn't have but what he knew he could do and what he could take advantage of and has the base, the excuse me, the best ball placement in NFL history. Yeah. And that's why he can play into into his 40s. Well, it was an interesting uh it was an interesting offseason for him first of all, Ryan, with what uh with what we saw, with what we you know, we're expecting to see. And just mm-hmm. looking at the Saints, I know we kind of have a lot to discuss today, but Ryan, they bring back Jameis. 
They bring back Taysom Hill. It looks like a big contract, but it's very voidable in a lot of ways. They they have outs. They have options. They're not tied to either. But, Ryan, the decision to bring back both, did that shock you in any way? No, I really didn't, and it's just based on kind of what was available and familiarity. Everything that I had heard indicated that Sean Payton and the staff liked what they saw from Jameis in practice and thought that, you know, those 30 touchdowns weren't a fluke. They just needed to be able to get those interceptions down and change some of those negative trends with his turnovers. So I really wasn't surprised. Uh, I think he'll win the job in training camp. Uh, and I'm not surprised they brought Taysom Hill back either just because of the weapon that he is. I think the time with Drew Brees being out last year and Taysom Hill, you know, really being uh, a short-term turnover machine, I think gave Sean Payton some indication that, yeah, he might not be our, full, our full-time quarterback, but he can be our Swiss Army knife and still make defensive coordinators have to think about him when they game plan. Well, they can also, if if a quarterback in that next tier falls to them, they could also easily draft one at 28. If Matt That's Jones true. is there, if Kyle Trask is there and they like that player, they're not tied to them. I think they just wanted to keep their options open. They've got to deal with the cap problems that a lot of people have, Ryan, as we mentioned at the top of the show. It's down 8% this year, an insanely large number, uh, not as many spenders. There's a lot of talent, a lot of different players that are still unsigned, and it's kind of crazy, right? Like we're used to just by you know day two, day three, practically everybody's gone. There's still a lot of great names as we get later into the week still available. Absolutely. You know, and I think we're going to see quite a few names really up until around the draft. I think draft night, I think some picks combined with some players, maybe we'll see some more moves. But the cap has definitely changed the strategy for a lot of these teams, for every team. Yeah, well, we talked about the quarterback position and Cam Newton going back to New England, who have been major players in free agency, but Cam Newton was kind of the first domino to fall for them specifically. And the contract itself is actually very incentive-based in the terms that he could get up to you know $14 million, but they're not tied to him. It is that one-year deal. Based on the other moves that they've made, Ryan, it makes me think, okay, they're going to try to give him a fair shake, healthy. He did have COVID last year. The, the weapons around him weren't great. He struggled mightily. But with better players, with a better opportunity around him, they're going to give him that shot to play, albeit probably going to address a, a plan B as well in this offseason, potentially through the draft. Yeah, I think they'll look at a plan B, and if not necessarily an immediate plan B, definitely – somebody they're thinking about for the long term and you know in the years ahead but I think the the moves that Belichick made you know they're really setting this up to be a no excuses year for Cam Newton getting Hunter Henry and John New Smith Bill likes to run a lot of that two tight end uh, sort of offense which complements Cam like liking to work the middle of the field when he had Greg Olson and it helps uh, those QB powers that he likes to run when, when they have some extra beef on the field. So I think having a full year combined with this upcoming season, a, a full offseason, a training camp, and some, some added weapons, I think the Patriots can be players in that wild card scenario. The spending with the Patriots has been crazy because Belichick never does this. Like, this is... Never. You know, crazy that he's doing it and, and I actually do like the tight ends bringing in Johnny Smith bringing in Hunter Henry going back to that style of football Ryan the head scratcher for me was the deal they gave Aguilar I mean I, I just I, I he did great he did do great things for the Raiders yes I know you've got those bad memories with the Eagles but two years as opposed to you know what guys like Emmanuel Sanders are getting and John Brown are getting I just don't think it's you know, and let me be clear, I think he could help this team and, and be a weapon and give them a piece, but it's a vast overpayment for me personally. I agree. I think it's a vast overpayment. And seeing as cerebral, cerebral as Bill is, I, I can't imagine he just looked at the Oakland tape. You know, he definitely made massive improvements from that last year in Philadelphia over to Oakland. But the big thing with Aguilar is that he couldn't keep his hands on the football. He had a lot of drops, and the deal that Bill Belichick gave him, I'm just going to be interested to see if 
Aguilar isn't making those catches and hasn't having a lot of drops. It doesn't matter how much you paid him. He's not going to be on the field. So I'm just, I'm curious to see how that works out. I mentioned his name. I just, I just want to, you know, go over how important I think he's going to be uh, given that we talked about values here. Emmanuel Sanders going back to San Francisco, Ryan. I like that a lot. He really hasn't played in the steadiest of systems for his career. And I just trust Kyle Shanahan, who's already seen him and used him. You know, he had that maybe one of the best runs of his career during that Super Bowl run with the Niners. I think that's a great addition to a Shanahan-style offense. I do as well. I like it. I'm just I'm interested to see uh, how San Francisco looks this upcoming season. They had a lot of injuries, particularly on that defensive side. They lost some key pieces on that defensive line. But it's really about Jimmy G. Is he worth all that money? We're going to find out. There's still so much movement to me, Ryan, on the quarterback side of things. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about this in terms of the draft, in terms of the guys that want out, that may not be getting their wish, and in terms of, you know, even that next tier. Uh, a guy I keep coming back to, I mean, we, we, everyone knows about Russ and, and Watson and, and who might draft too, but let's just say for the sake of things, Ryan, that, that second overall pick to the Jets is either Wilson or Fields. Then Darnold might be sitting out there. And if I'm one of these teams, maybe the Patriots, maybe the even the Niners, I'd absolutely take a flyer on him and see, is he able to compete for this job, which he very well, very well might be. Yeah, I think, you know, to your point, there's going to be a lot of moves still left to be made, especially with quarterbacks. Donald with the Bears um, signing Dalton. Does that mean Trubisky is going to be available? Do other coaches see potential in him? So there, there's going to be not a lot of great quarterbacks in the shuffle, excluding Russ and Watson, but quarterbacks nonetheless, and there are a lot of teams who need quarterbacks. Yeah, that Dalton signing for a year, and I do think it, it, he is a solid player, but what this to me tells is you know, they couldn't get Russ, Ryan. And they're just, just going to try again next year. <laughs> like that, That's what this is. Well, I mean, and that says, I don't know. I don't really know what message that sends to your fans. If I'm a Bears fan, I'm just, I'm not happy with the naggy Ryan Pace experiment at all. And it seems like at every turn in their decision-making, it's just taking a wrong turn. You had a chance to have Watson or Mahomes. You took Trubisky. The offense, you know, naggy coming from an Andy Reid tree doesn't seem to be nearly as creative and get them down the field so a lot of things have just been disappointing and then when you add Dalton to this when you were you know you you put out in the media that you're trying really really hard to get Russell Wilson and then it's like you're 16 and you ask your dad for a Mustang and then he shows up with a Geo Metro Hmm. and you know it's just I, I can't imagine how the fans feel because you thought you had a real shot to get a quarterback. And, you know, Andy Dalton was good in Cincinnati, but he was not good in Dallas. So I just – I would not feel good about that. I just don't know what their identity is. I mean, I think that's the big thing, and that's that, that almost trumps personnel in a way because, you know, mm-hmm. you watch them play and you're not sure what they're trying to do. Uh, Ryan Soles here on the Money Mitch Effect. I actually don't think the Bears are the biggest losers so far in uh, free agency. That would have to be the Raiders. I'm trying to figure oh, out yeah. what's going on with them, Ryan, and uh, just the dismantling of a once-proud offensive line. You know, Trent Brown on the Patriots, their center now in Arizona, and, and suddenly you see how fast it happens. A great line turns into a bad one. I really just don't understand what the thought process is in Vegas. Well, I'm going to go big picture here, uh, slightly tangential, but – Remember, I guess it's three years ago now where John Gruden signed that deal for 10 years, 10 million. And we said three years from now, what was this team going to look like? Not necessarily wins and losses alone, which is infrastructure. And you've lost Amari Cooper. You've lost Khalil Mack. You've lost now Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown. I don't know what it looks like for the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know what this says about Gruden. Um, he's 20 games, I believe, under 500 since that Super Bowl in, in Tampa. So I just, I think because of the Raiders and because he got that deal and fired football coaches association and Gruden grinders and all that, we don't talk about it as much, but 
I'll ask you, has he done a good job? I, no, I, I don't and know. <laughs> he hasn't. And this is different. I, I know you brought up the, the, you know, Cleo Mack, Amari Cooper. The, this is different because I can but rationalize with that player. because I can rationalize with that, even if I don't agree with it, that, that they were a bad football team starting from the ground and you want to get younger, collect assets. And, you know, the, the school thought of the Jimmy Johnson, Herschel Walker trade thing. Like we were bad. What were we going to do in his prime? Like I get that. This is kind of insane to me because as bad as they were down the stretch last year, they weren't that far off from, you know, the playoffs. No, you they have beat strength. the Chiefs. Yeah, you beat the Chiefs. You're the only team to beat the Chiefs in the regular season. I don't understand why you would dismantle the line at this point, what you're trying to approve, what your what your goal is, and like you said, what the football team looks like. And I know you're I know one of your favorites uh had some comments on that. Lombardi was talking about how the the uh, the schism between Mayock and Gruden it seems pretty apparent at this point. Oh, definitely, and you know, like you mentioned, I'm a fan of Lombardi, and what I hear from him is that Mayock really doesn't have any control. Gruden is the, That's not the good. GM, and you know, Gruden's really the C- CEO because Mark Davis loves John Gruden. So, I think Gruden, the GM, if what you know Lombardi says is true, is really ruining Gruden, the head coach, because it, like you said, it seemed like they had that offense in a in a form where they could play from the lead. They just really needed to address the defense. I thought they were too small on the defensive line, but they got rid of a top ten offensive line in football. And uh, no real reason to do that. No real reason to, you know, even with cap considerations. Look at a team like the Chiefs. I mean, they've had to make some tough decisions, but able to work around it. Seeing Kyle Long coming back today to play for them. And they're not just abandoning their weaknesses. They're trying to figure out workarounds, even if you have to take a step back. Um, every, Every other team in that division, I mean, Denver maybe not, but you saw the Chargers make some good moves and try to improve what they're doing. I just the, the Raiders are, are losing an arms race right now, man. It's just not good. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, and I just don't see as currently constructed how they even compete in that division. Everything that was good about the offense, you know, besides Josh Jacobs, you know, in terms of the ball control they want to play, that's all gone. It's not good. Uh, Ryan, a, a couple other moves here uh, wanted to touch on briefly. And not a not a movement, but a re-signing and a big payday. Uh, any thoughts for you on that massive, uh, for a running back deal, four years, $48 million, the Packers gave Aaron Jones? Yeah, that was really interesting to me because it just seemed like the the logic these days were, you know, we'll pay 20% of the price for 80% of the production because you can find second and a fourth round running backs that are good enough to come in and um, contribute immediately. But they really believed in Aaron Jones, it seems, and they're, they're paying him good money. And we just got to see he breaks that running back curse of either underperforming or getting hurt after he gets paid. It's just so funny, though, that – they drafted a quarterback last year. Rodgers has his MVP season. They drafted a running back as well. Uh, you know, was it last year or two years ago with Williams? And then Jones continues to keep it going and gets paid. So uh, maybe the motivation techniques are, <laughs> are the way to go. But um, I, I think Jones is great. I think he, he's great for that offense. And uh, it, it is it is about what a fair market value is for a top, top end running back. I don't think it's, you know. The girly contract and what Le'Veon Bell wanted, I think we've kind of realized collectively that that's too much. Um, so we'll see. Uh, also, also kind of good to see fullbacks are getting paid, right? With uh, with the Niners hooking their boy up. Yeah, I mean he deserves every penny they give him, and the way they use him too. I, uh, I always like the big guys getting their money. Juice check gets five years, twenty seven million, and uh, I'm telling you, man, not just them, but. How they're re-upping some of their defensive players, Ryan, I'm expecting big thing from the Niners. I know there's some questions with Jimmy G, but I just trust Shanahan. I watched them, you know, last year beat the Cardinals who had to win to get into the playoffs with a backup quarterback. So I think the Niners are going to have a nice little run coming up. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they're really well coached. It'll be interesting to see how their defense is coached this year with Salah departing. So, But I like the moves they made. 
Yeah, Mosley's coming back. They re or they got Mosley, the Emmanuel Mosley, the cornerback. They're going to bring in uh, reworked Solomon Thomas as well. Uh, so it should be pretty good, uh, a pretty good adjustment there. Uh, Ryan, a couple more things we kind of work around. I do want to mention my team uh, in, in a little detail here. Uh, the Browns have had to have some challenges this year with the offseason. Obviously, the cap isn't friendly to a lot of teams. Uh, they're no exception there, and uh, they've got some tough decisions to make. But I think they're on the right track so far. Love the addition of John Johnson at the safety position. And uh, taking a flyer on Tack McKinley when you need some help up front, it's a good start. It's somewhere that we can kind of go. The secondary, as I mentioned before, you lose Terrence Mitchell to the Texans, but you've got some young guys coming back from some injuries. Adding Johnson adds some depth, and uh, we'll see what happens with Higgins, if they can re-sign him at receiver and uh, add to that uh, defensive linebacking core specifically. But so far, so good for the Browns. i got to ask the uh, the – question the elephant in the room what do you think should be done with obj it's the million dollar question or should i say the 15 million dollar question um, right i'm all for bringing him back but i'm not against getting rid of him so my my okay. thought process is you're going to bring him back that's fine you commit to him he's part of the future okay that also might mean that, you know, Higgins walks, which I don't want Higgins to go unless he wants, you know, if unless the, the demand is outrageous. It sounds like the market and how tough it is might be, you know, good for the Browns to get out a fair deal on both sides there. But if you're gonna let if you're gonna keep Beckham, then you don't have the splash, you don't have the cap room to really bring in some big name bring in some big names and you've got to nail the draft coming up. So exactly. that's where it's gonna come down to. Um, but I understand the financial of it because that's a lot of money that's valuable at this time, especially in this climate. It just seems like the more mature OBJ gets, the longer he spends in the league, I think that you won't have to force the ball to him as much, and that Stefanski offense proved that it's built to last going forward, and another year in it, I don't see how not adding a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. too, it can't make you better. But like you said, that you got to get your drafts perfect. The receiver position is fascinating. I mentioned all the guys that still remain unsigned. Uh, we, we talked about today as we record this on uh, Wednesday that A.J. Green going to the Cardinals could end up being the, the, the steal of free agency if it Absolutely. pans out. People forget how good he was because of the injuries and because of just the poor play around in Cincinnati. But A.J. Green, they got J.J. Watt, they got Hudson now at the center. I mean, they are going all in around a quarterback and Kyler Murray on a rookie deal. So it's hard to fault that decision-making and ultimately the, the talent that they're assembling. Man, if they can protect Kyler Murray, this could look like some Texas Tech, you know, really, really, really Texas Tech air raid offense. And, you know, they might win games 35 to 31 every week, but – they could be really, really, really fun to watch. They could, man. Um, you know, and they don't really have to rely on him. If Fitzgerald comes back, you've got just depth like crazy. Kyler Murray has to stay healthy. They have to protect him. K Cliff Kingsbury has to put him in positions to not get beat up because he clearly got broken down at the end of the season. Mm. But uh, I'm a fan of what they're doing. <laughs> there was another free agency visit today. It's not official yet that I've seen. But uh, we talk about receivers go, or quarterbacks needing good receivers. If Galladay signs with the Giants, I think that could be one to watch because I think that's what they need up there is just a, a premier target, and he could be that. You know, I just – I'm not here, and I, I don't believe in Daniel Jones just yet. So yeah. I, I feel like you it's got like, to It's like the Cam Park. Newton thing, though. It's like there's only one way to find out. Like let's, oh, let's bring some I, talent in, you know. Yeah, I got you 100%. But I, I just feel like the way – that team played last year just showed me that, you know, Joe Judge is figuring out and teaching them how to win. And I think re-signing Leonard Williams, I think bolstering the offense of that defensive line, you know, obviously having talent around your quarterback, you know, I'm always going to be for that. But we got to see if Daniel Jones cannot turn the ball over. If he turns the football over, it doesn't matter what talent you got over there. So I think run the football with your running back you got coming back, try to play some good defense and put Daniel Jones in positions to 
make solid decisions and not lose the game for you. Because I think I, I'm not sure he's out of that realm yet. Yeah, this is a make or break year for a lot of people. Uh, he is included. Uh, Ryan Souls here on the Money Mitch Effect still talking some NFL free agency news. I mentioned Dalton. What do you think about Fitz Magic in Washington? That that new setup they got going over there. You know, I think it could be interesting, and not because I necessarily believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I think when the expectations are low, you know, he can have back-to-back four touchdown games on you, and then the following week he throws four interceptions because now all eyes are on him. So, you know, there's a reason why he's on his ninth team. Uh, He's better than Heineke. He's better than Haskins. But, man, you know, they got it right with that Chase Young pick. That front seven is good. That back end is good. So that's what I'm here for. Ron Rivera is a good defensive coach. I think they can be challengers in that division just because of how good that defense is. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick can just not turn the football over, that team could be a sleeper to win because Philadelphia ain't going to sniff it. I don't (laughs) believe in the Giants just yet. I think, you know, on coaching alone, I think they'll make it rough in the division. But I think it's between Dallas and Washington. And if Fitzpatrick plays well, I think Washington could – is an underdog to win that division. I don't think Fitzy has had a great defense in a while. Maybe not one as good as this Washington team can be in a very long time, if ever. So that could be interesting to see. Can you know? Can he work with? You know, look, last year Miami when it wasn't even his team and he was still able to play well. So I think it'll be fascinating to see. But I agree with you on the sense that I think Dallas deserves to be the favorites of this division. And uh, I'm just not seeing it from some of those other teams. But I should also point out that my favorite part of free agency so far has been watching Pittsburgh lose all of its uh, solid defensive players. Yeah, I know you you enjoyed that. And, you know, this really could be a year that they don't make the playoffs. I'm just I'm not sold on Big Ben coming back, even though that really was their only option and losing their defensive pieces. They're well coached and they're going to make games competitive, but. They got to they got to get a quarterback. They do. Yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to go. I think it's a good time to segue into how do you think this is going to end up the uh, Deshaun Watson story? Because here we are, Ryan, months later, and uh, <clears throat> this game of chicken or stalemate, whatever you want to call it, just keeps rolling on. The Texans are bringing in you know new faces, Mark Ingram. We mentioned some other other moves that they've made. Um, Watson still has is adamant about not being there, and. Maybe, Ryan, from my perspective, I'm just finding it fascinating because this is clearly at ownership now. All the management, all the coaching, all the, new, all the management and coaches are new. You know, it's not, it's not a holdover from a previous regime. This is mm-hmm. squarely at ownership. And, you know, I, I, for one at least, I mean, Cohen, their head coach, is 60. He's never been a coach before, and this is his first job. It's like, welcome to the NFL. Um, but again, right. I don't know how this is going to end up, and I'm wondering how you think this shakes out if there is a timeline to put on it. To be honest, I really have no idea. <clears throat> excuse me, how this could shake out, just because you know I'm all for I'm always going to side on the players versus ownership in any moment, and the nature of this sport, as violent as it is, it's hard to put yourself in these guys' shoes and make shoes and make these decisions for them, but. I told you a couple of years ago that I would not have signed an extension in Houston. I would have bet on myself and because this is exactly what I feared. And it was just that organization has been poorly run for a long time. This is when Bill O'Brien was there and then you saw them, you know, trade away Hopkins, trade away some other players as well. I don't think it's fixable from a relationship standpoint, but outside of the no trade cause, the team has all the financial leverage. So the only thing, in my opinion, that Deshaun can do is make it so bad in that locker room 
to where they're almost forced to move him, but he's not that type of guy. So mm. I really don't know how this ends. Houston doesn't have to do anything. I mean, he could now. sit out. That's what he could do. He could sit yeah. out and, and sacrifice money and take that Absolutely. hard line stand. And um... yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and if he's about that, you know, I'm not mad at him for doing that at all. But Houston doesn't have to do anything, and the thing is. If they don't do anything, yet yeah, it definitely minimizes their their chances of getting big name free agents to willingly come there. But this is not the NBA, and the owners view this completely different. And I think I honestly believe this is the NBA. This would have been done already. But Cal McNair has to answer to guys like Jerry Jones, who will not see this sort of precedent being set with what they feel is just labor. And I really think that has a lot to do with it. And, you know, no one said that, but I, I really think that has a lot to do with it, that the, the NFL, because if this does happen, if they trade him, you know, what precedent does this set going forward for other players in similar positions? And these NFL owners are not the NBA owners. They are a different sort of good old boys club. They think differently and I just think that, you know, I'm not sure how it's going to end. I'm not. Well, I think the only thing I'd like to add to that is that the only leverage Watson does have is that no one is going to force him to play. And he has youth on his side, which I know sounds crazy to say in the NFL, but he is a quarterback, he is young, and he's already very good, and he's got that bargaining chip that most players don't have. That him mm-hmm. sitting out, we saw Carson Palmer do it when he wanted out of Cincinnati and went on to have you know much later stage in his his football life uh, a run with the Cardinals. That Watson still has a lot of time to play a lot of good football in what is one year in the grand scheme of things. I don't know how it's going to shake out. I know they got Tyrod Taylor, and uh, you know he he seems to be you know the the backup plan in case you know things don't shake out. But it's unfortunate, man. Um, yeah, I'll say this: if something doesn't happen on draft night, then I think Watson's going to be forced to sit out because I think the chances of something happening goes down hugely at that point because that's when I think the market's going to be hottest. It's not like quarterbacks get yeah. hurt in training camp. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, before we uh, before we wrap this up, Ryan, do you have any thoughts on uh, you know your Philadelphia Eagles through all this as we're looking at? But now I think the latest is potential trade targets for Zach Ertz. It's not it's not great times so, in Philly. Listen, man. Anybody who's listening to this who's an Eagles fan might call me a Benedict Arnold or sacrilegious, but I'm okay with where the team is because when you give big money to a quarterback, the idea is that you get a Super Bowl out of that tenure. Now, Carson Wentz didn't directly deliver the Super Bowl, but we got a Super Bowl out of drafting him you know, is our number one overall in that round. So as crappy as how it ended and how it all kind of imploded on itself, the goal of getting a quarterback that high, the goal of extending Fletcher Cox and adding these players and having a rotation of nine defensive linemen so you can compete for a championship, we won a championship. So now it's what does Lurie and Roseman, what do they do going forward? Because the last drafts haven't been good, but the teams need, uh, or the team needs a lot, a lot of pieces. I mean, literally, at every position group could stand an upgrade. Literally, and I'm not exaggerating, every position group. So we're a long way away from competing, and it's just a matter of seeing how the team builds. But I hope with Peterson being gone, you know, some other players maybe walking out as, you know, as much as I'm going to miss some of them. It just felt like when they won that Super Bowl, that hung over their heads in a negative way. And I think the team overall was filling itself way too much. And having new blood in there, you get to reset. And the goal out of paying a quarterback all that money, even though the, the order of operations was wrong, was to get a championship. We got a championship. The quarterback's gone. The coach is gone. But we got the championship. Okay. So let's rebuild. Try to get another one. Okay. So you're you're on board with uh, starting it over and uh, appreciating what you have. I, I get. I get yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm good with that. 
I just Howie's the one I don't trust from the outside. So oh, that, not at all. And I thought he should have been gone. So I thought he should have been gone out the door with Peterson. But you know, yeah, he, there's just the bizarre speech he gave when they hired the new coach about all the track record for success and stuff. It just it was just bizarre. But uh, we'll see what happens with you guys. Uh, this was fun. We'll have to catch up on football more going forward. Last thing uh, before I let you go uh, with basketball going on. I think if I had to say right now, and I know there's a lot of basketball left, I think if I had a vote, I might vote Dame Lillard for MVP. Man, he's balling. Five seed and... in the West right now, too. If they finish four or five, I think he might have my vote. Yeah, he's killing. I mean, with Embiid being out for three weeks, I think he That's was the, thing. The, yeah. the clear front runner. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would not be mad giving it to Dame, but, you know, I got to be honest, and this isn't just me being a homer for the Lakers. If the Lakers finish with the three seed or better and Anthony Davis doesn't come back, you got to consider LeBron. I think he's still the best player when it counts, you know, maybe not in the regular season, but when it counts and the chips are on the table, he's still the best player. And if that team stays, finishes as a third seed or better and Anthony Davis wasn't a big contributor to that in year 18, I think you got to consider, you know, LeBron. It's a lot of basketball left, so I am just maybe projecting and thinking about Embiid if he's not available because he's, mm-hmm. I agree, the, the MVP guy. Jokic has been great. Yeah. Um, you know, LeBron's great, but it's like how much is he going to go for it down the stretch? You exactly. know, Lord, just Lord, I just love watching him play. I, I do mean, too, I just, man. He goes I'm... for it. He's been, you know, another guy like we started with Breeze. He's just been doubted his whole life, and, you know, it doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter that he's in Portland. Like, he just loves it. So, um, yeah. Maybe that's why I want to see win it, but uh, you know we'll see. It's a, it's a lot of basketball left, and I think it could be uh, very unpredictable down the stretch, given you know the injuries and uh, you know everything going on. Yeah, man, I do too. I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm I hope Kevin Durant is healthy coming back, and Anthony Davis as well. So we can just see a full, um, fully loaded playoff scenario. With you know the East and the West, and everybody healthy. And I know he's probably not going to get there. I don't know why they hired Van Gundy, but I just love watching Zion play. So, I mean, the guy is just... Maybe, oh, I do too, man. Like, I can't believe that, that he's as big as he is, first of all. Like, one of the biggest guys in the league, and he's up to about 26 a game. So, yeah. I mean, that body should not be capable of the things it does. <laughs> no. Just not at all. all. <laughs> I mean, it just... And, you know, I just... I hope... Uh, I Something Charles Barkley said... Um, he should be a much better rebounder than he is, and I hope he works on that. But the scoring output and just the efficiency in the paint is – we haven't seen this in a long time. Every time he goes up when he does rebound, like an offensive rebound or a defense rebound, I have the same thought. Like, it looks like over the back every time, but he just jumps over the guy's back, and it's not a foul. <laughs> no, so, not at all. <laughs> so pretty crazy. Uh, Ryan Souls, thanks for coming on. We'll be catching up in the uh, weeks and months to follow. But thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right. Huge thanks again to Ryan Souls for hopping on and talking about NFL free agency. And since we recorded, the Browns did bring back Richard Higgins. Big signing. Love to see that. Pat Peterson going from the Cardinals to the Vikings. See what he has left in his football career. And C.J. Samuel is now a uh, member of the Washington football team. He got paid quite handsomely. Thanks again to Ryan. But now it is time to talk basketball, college basketball with Sean Sullivan. Sully has a lot to say about March Madness. Our favorite bet is the first to 20. We dive into that. What do we like about the bracket? What bets do we love? Here's Sully now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, it's March Madness time. We waited two years now for this tournament to come back. We're ready to go. Sean Sullivan's here, ready to try to win some money. Sully, it's been a long time coming. We're finally here. Let's get after it. Oh, man, it feels good. Uh, Sheesh. Like, you you know, you take yourself back to that March of last year and losing the tournament did not feel good. And then, you know, it kind of feels like we're – you know, it's just another step in the right direction in normalcy. So let's win some bets, baby. Well, the start of this tournament is uh, Friday this year. They've, they've switched up the scheduling, maybe 
maybe giving us a day to, <laughs> to get our affairs in order isn't a bad thing. But we got the action Friday and Saturday. Uh, just off the top, you know, as a, as an as an alumni of the third alternate, I was a little upset about that. Uh, but hey, here we are. You know, my guest favorites to win the NIT. Sellier, Tennessee. Speaking team. of the NIT, yeah, go ahead. Speaking of the NIT, though, I saw somebody put a put like a, a large hundred thousand dollar bet on SMU. So there are some pretty freaky degenerates out there that are doing some weird things with the NIT. So uh, go go for it if you're going to. Wow, we've been waiting for it. We've been waiting for it. Uh, I'll <laughs> I'll let you talk about your your boys really quick here. Uh, interesting year, maybe not the best, but uh, still a dangerous team for the Vols heading into this tournament. Yeah, I, they're one of those teams that could be a bracket buster, in my opinion. You know, because they they could easily get thrown out by the in the first round against Oregon State because of their own game, not necessarily because of Oregon State's game. I don't think the Beavers scare me that much. But on the flip side, they have Keon Johnson, they have James Finger, they have Ease Pawns, they have a crew, and Fulkerson's a big question mark with the facial injury and, and a concussion, but. You have a crew that could take you to the Final Four, and and they've shown the ability to beat a Colorado. They've shown that they've beaten Arkansas. They've beaten Alabama. They've beaten these teams that everybody's picking to go on these runs, and they can be one of those teams. But they've just been such a Jekyll and Hyde. And then on the flip side, as well, the teams are playing. I'm looking at a the it's the Eisenberg Gambling Guide. Matt Eisenberg does a great job with this thing, and I'm looking at the most teams deserving of a worse seed. Number two is Oklahoma State. Of course, they have Cade Cunningham. He's a stud, and Tennessee would see, probably see them in the second round. And then Oregon State as well is uh, in the top ten of that list. So I, I think they, they caught lightning in the bottle in the Pac-12 tournament in a weaker Pac-12. They don't scare me in the first round. Tennessee defensively is the fourth-best adjusted defensive team. I think they could they could slow down Cade Cunningham. You take Cade Cunningham away from Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State is in Oklahoma State. So. Yeah. I think they, you could see you could see an Illinois matchup. You could see a reunion with the uh, our sweet sweet nun that somehow weaseled <laughs> away into the a, tournament. It's amazing. Loyola Chicago's there. Sister Jean, 101 years old, will be there in person on site. Yikes! Mm-hmm. And uh, Georgia Tech already has a player out. I, I don't know whether it, it's it's due to some some magic that she's working up, like she did in 2018. I don't know. You just never know. But when a, when when a nun is carrying you to the final four, and that's all you hear about for the entire tournament, you got to think she's got to have some sort of magic. Like, uh, did she go to Hogwarts? I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Right, who knows, man? Well, you know the stat I'm going to bring up. That's the, the unfortunate one. It's Rick Barnes is one and eleven against uh, higher seeded teams in March Madness. Yeah. So. Good. Hopefully, you can, it's good, it's good. Hopefully you can kind of break that shred for your sake. I want to see Oklahoma State and Tennessee. Uh, Cade Cunningham has really put it together. Looks like the consensus almost number one pick. That would be a fun game. Uh, also important to note what the gambling markets say going in. A lot of money on Gonzaga, obviously. They're undefeated. They've been rolling teams all year. They've got four you know absolute studs that are finalists for their players, for their positional players of the year. Kispert's amazing. We we know we know what he can do. We know what that team can do. However, Baylor's getting a lot of love, as is Michigan. Now, I know I'm a self-proclaimed, self-acknowledged Michigan hater, but Sully, I just don't put Michigan in the class. They were actually, in a way, very fortunate to be that one seed. Yeah, and they're six percent of the handle. Illinois twenty one percent. This is for Bet MGM. Gonzaga thirty percent highest handle, and man, they're limping in right. And yeah. uh, I think that that that. Michigan, you know, losing losing one of their best players, losing one of their key cogs, and, and then getting dropped in the middle of a bracket that has LSU, I'm not sure. And that that's just early on. Then you get run into a Florida State who is a very uh, to 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 win that that region, and and then L, and then um, on the bottom end, you got Bama, who who's just a just a, a mean team to run against as, as being a Tennessee fan. Their last time out, overtime, just slugfest with Alabama. Those guys can run up the floor. They're super athletic, and and uh, a team that is just ripe to to beat um, Michigan. So, I honestly like them coming out of this region. I think the SEC is a really really strong conference that that is not as good as the Big Ten, um, but it is is right there behind them. And 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 Bama certainly is a class of that that the conference. So, 
I, I can see them without a Michigan, a full strength Michigan. They're a bad matchup anyway. If they even get to the, the regional finals, even if they get to the lead eight, that that you know Bama's going to knock them out. So they well, got to get through FSU and, and Florida or and yeah. Florida State. Let's LSU and St. Bonnie's first. Let's look at that. Alabama plus 325 to win their region. I think we both like that. I think that's one that jumps yes. out immediately. 325. 100%. And Nate Oates, great, great Nate Oates is not going to back down from uh, Jawan Howard. So we got that No, he's not. Too. No, he's not. He got he got a lovely coach fight matchup as well if you want to just completely separate the basketball and the coach fights because, of course, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, Jawan Howard going after uh, going after Maryland's coach in the Big Ten tournament, and then you know Nate Oates as well. You know, telling telling Will Wade to, to stick it where the sun don't shine as he's beating him on the SEC tournament uh, floor. So, yes, that is two of the uh, tastier coaching possibility uh, matchups. I wouldn't want to take on Huggy Bear. That's one coach that uh, we, we've spoke about on the IU Sports College podcast that. Uh, you know, there's just something about Huggins that I wouldn't want to fight. And I think I think he's just got old man strength and just not going to give a damn. But uh, yeah, Nate Oates and, and Howard are, are, two, are two guys that are that are very high up on the list too. That would be, you know, that region is the one that's open. I think that, that opens the door for Bama. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga prohibitive favorite in their region. I think Illinois is positioned well in theirs as well. So then I think if you're yep. looking for the long shot bet to, to win a region, you might say that Baylor region. Are they going to be as consistent? There's some stuff you might like there, and I'm not saying necessarily you should, you know, run to make these bets, but you can get Arkansas at plus 700 to come out. That's not out of the realm I love of possibility, Arkansas. you know, like it isn't. I, I love Arkansas there, and first things first, and I think that Seth Davis got a lot of flack for for picking Colgate over Arkansas in round one. It's one of these classic. Colgate is a, is a good team. I just think it's a bad matchup for them because it, it, Arkansas is a carbon copy of, of them. They're, you, you look at the offensive, um, all the offensive metrics, and they're they're pretty close to each other in scoring and, and pace. They're just very similar teams, and Arkansas is just better at what Colgate does. So I don't see that. Um, so move them on out of that that first round. Yeah, and then you, you know they, they just keep running, man. That is a really fun team to watch. And uh, I'm, I'm fully on the must bus. I would love for him to get as far out of the SEC as possible, along with NATO. So I think there's a couple of really, really good young coaches. And, yeah, the must bus is, is rolling in Arkansas at this point. And, I, yeah, I, I think they're, they're right for the picking um, for, for a Final Four run here. And uh, what, what, what's their number? They're at 700. Now, Ohio State's plus 375 as well, which is good value for them. Yeah. And if that's the Sweet 16 matchup, that's a fun one for sure. Oh, um, man, I think that's a lot, even, a lot of points, a lot of fun, a lot of speed. You can even sprinkle the board on both, you know, essentially just picking both. And then one yep. of them, if you get that matchup, you know, just got to win, beat Baylor. Or if Baylor does get tripped up, just win one more game. So uh, there's some opportunity there, I think. Those are the two regions. It looks like. Obviously, anything can happen, but Gonzaga, Illinois are the uh, prohibitive favorites for a reason based on how they've played this year and how they came into the tournament. Uh, Sully, before we get to like the actual individual bets we like and the prop bets we like coming out of the gate, anything in the first four stand out to you? Is there one bet in particular that you would you know lean towards? Mm, man, I, I haven't watched enough of these other teams, the Norfolk States, the Appy States of the world, to uh, really stand on the table and bark at one if I had to. Oh, I would pick UCLA. I, I've been going back and forth on that game. I don't feel very good about it, you know, because they're, they're kind of limping into this tournament. But I think they, they got the talent at, at coming out of that Pac-12 to, to do some things. So um, the winner of that is, is a trendy trendy pick to uh, to beat BYU in the first round. So maybe maybe um, maybe you ride, ride one of those teams. Maybe under 134, it'll just be a tight, nervous Nelly kind of game. You know, maybe that's yep. the, the play. Just a lot of maybe bricks. that's the play. <laughs> just mm-hmm. a lot of bricks and a lot of turnovers. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I kind of don't really have a read on the first four, and I'm, I'm waiting to get into the good stuff coming out of the gate. Uh, which, by the yep. way, letting all our listeners know here on the Money Mitch Effect, Sully, we love that first to 20 bet. We got hooked in Vegas a couple years ago, and uh, it's very addicting. It is. It, 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 I was telling Pete Thamel before we were taping yesterday about our, our first to twenty love, and he and he and he likened it to, to gambling whippets. 
Um, and I think that's that's very very spot on. Um, they they are just such a quick, fun, value pick that I mean I I, I look at it as you're picking, and we'll we'll go through a couple of them. I, I like these. You could easily flip it to a full game, but shoot, you know, you see so many times in this tournament where you have a lower seed jump out is going on on adrenaline, and and and, and rushes out and is it up at halftime, and then the coach makes adjustments at, at, at the half, and then you know the higher seed comes out and runs away with it. You know, I think you saw it with uh, Colgate was a tourney pick a couple of years ago against Tennessee, and you saw that you saw that very very thing happen. So. Yeah, it gives um, you those second half line opportunities too, which is another th- great thing. Right, one hundred percent. You're not locked yeah. into the full the whole game. Yeah. So when so, the favorite you know, bounces back, Villanova did that a few years ago um, in there. I think they're running their second title, where they're able to just right. turn it around at halftime. And we think twenty is better than ten. Ten's a little too too rushing. Anything crazy could happen there. The value and the bets aren't there. And then of course, like forty is probably too much. You might not even get to halftime in a lot of cases. So. 20 is that good number, right. uh, and I'm going to start with this one, the trendy one, Winthrop over Villanova. Man, I think that's uh, it's got a lot of people talking, not just because obviously Gillespie's out, a uh, terrible injury for the Villanova point guard, but you know Winthrop's a good basketball team. Villanova's had some struggles, and uh, this is a trendy pick, not just for first to 20, which we love, but for the actual game, you can get first to 20 uh, Winthrop for plus 154. And uh, to win this game, Winthrop is plus 230. So some good value there. Mm. Very tasty. Very <laughs> tasty all around. Uh, this is the upset special for a lot of people. And it, I think it has to do with both sides. Villanova, of course, as you mentioned, Gillespie out. And I don't like them as a whole uh, compared to the past either. They're, they're kind of limping in. And Winthrop on the flip side, you look at all of these, all of these events metrics. Tempo, tournament average. They are third behind Gonzaga and Alabama. You look at transition points; they're up there. You look at they're just a stud offensive team, and that without your 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 floor general that literally runs your entire offense. That, that the whole thing. You know, I'd, I would be interested. The whole thing. I'd be interested to see uh, you know where where he is on the advanced on the advanced metrics through you know Villanova's whole offense got to be up there the ball is in his hands you know 80 90 percent of the time i would say so when you get punched in the mouth by one of these small smaller uh teams their whole season is right here you know that, that they're likely not going to go on a, on a tear but if they can knock off a you know former national championship team they're going to do it and uh you know they're they're going to go on they're going to get down and they're i don't know if they're going to have the the gumption without gillespie to, to get back so Give me, give me Winthrop. Give me the, give me the fast start. Give me the, give me the, the high octane offenses against a trendy, uh, right for the, for the upset uh, team. And um, that this is it. This is this is one you highlight. Yeah, and I just want to point out as well. I agree with you. Six and a half points isn't really, you know, a lot of points. If you're gonna feel good about that, maybe the full game is to play as well. You know, we could hit every bet possible, Sully. We're not betting on Wisconsin and uh, North Carolina. That's just not happening. <laughs> no, no, and and that, that's going to be a slugfest, rock fight, whatever however you want to call it. It's uh, that's that's a nasty game, and you know I, I think a lot of people are projecting uh, North Carolina to, to potentially get Baylor some troubles because of their their, their rebounding and uh, their size inside. But you know they they got to get through those those, those brawlers from Wisconsin first and. Shoot, you know, uh, uh, like I said earlier, I really think you know, not not going on a limb here, but the Big Ten was was stout, and I I, I tend to use that as a as a tiebreaker too, you know, um, especially in a year where you didn't have a a whole plethora of non conference action. Right. Um, that uh, I tend to lean towards the bigger conference to break guys. I like Arkansas as well as you do, but you could get Colgate plus one ninety eight for first to twenty. So something to think about there. You know, come out strong before they get kind of worn down uh, as well. Potentially, Potentially. yeah. I mean, you got you got Colgate's high up there too. On like I said, on all these tournament table averages, Arkansas is right there. Yeah, Arkansas flies high coming right out the gate. That's gonna be that bet's gonna be over a lot quicker. That bet is gonna be over a lot quicker. (laughs) They're not gonna be waiting for a while to twenty. No, uh. uh not going to be like betting on person 20 on that North Carolina-Wisconsin game. Yeah, it could be, it could be very, a, very different. Be, yeah, multiple media timeouts before that one's hit. 
Uh, Ohio State yeah. Oral Robert that, that line is sixteen and a half. I think that's what we call in the teaser zone. If you can get that down yep. to about you know five points, even eleven and a half, I think that's something to consider. Oral Roberts uh, might be on the obscure side. Just interesting to see what Ohio State will do now with you know a little more uh, I, a little more pressure, I should say, expectations because uh, you know they're expected to just run these teams. But we'll see. I mean, you never know. It could be. A I, sloppy think, I think I think they're going to run them. I, I think so. I think Oral Roberts is is a little higher seated than they should be, and uh, Abnitz is a is a stud. He's leading the country in scoring, but uh, you know I think Ohio State's a good enough team to where they can, they can shut down a one man band. Same with the Illinois Drexel, twenty two and a half. Yeah, I don't like the Dragons either. I, I like I like, and I saw a stat out there that that uh, twenty point favorites are. Oh shoot, I need to I need to pull this up. It was a couple days ago. Well, you were mentioning really Baylor as well, because Baylor is a team that normally handles teams by du- by uh, by double digits. Correct. As well. That was one. That was another stat. They're 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 non conference uh, in their non conference. They've averaged thirty point uh, victories against teams that are you know that, that are not your non power five squads that you're you're taking on in the first round. So, it, what is it at twenty six? I think that's a pretty high number at first glance, but. You're essentially getting four points off the average of what they've been doing to teams that are yeah. similar. So, I like it. Wow. Another thing that stands out at me, Loyola is a five-point favorite against Georgia Tech. I know Georgia Tech's had injuries. The sister Gina factor is, is coming out of the woodwork. But that's that's a big number for an MVC school. That's a big number. That's they. I mean, you know, you got you got Kurtwig. That's still over. You got a couple holdovers from that, that 2018 run. They're a good squad, and people love them. Top 10 in the Kim Palm, underseeded, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking through my big orange goggles at this point. But, yeah, I, I, a big blow for Georgia Tech, obviously. But, no, I, I still think they're a good squad. And then, you know, Josh Pashner, um, they, they got underseeded too. They Coming into the season, they weren't, they weren't practicing. He was – he, he – Put in a, a strategy of, of just you know it was basically Hoosiers where you're playing without the ball and you're running. I do remember to that. Avoid clo- close contact, and they they got beat a couple of times by two teams that you know by the end of the season they would run them. You know they because that was essentially their practice. You know they weren't they haven't been scrimmaging they haven't done anything, so they're underseated too. They're a very talented team. They're not a one man band. So I man I, I'm I would be I would be. Uh, Hesitant to lay those points on the Ramblers. Exactly. If, if anything, I would take them. Yeah, I think that one could come down to the wire. I mean, Loyola's run was great to the Final Four, but they needed a last-second shot in their first game on that weekend to beat Miami. So it's not like they were just rolling teams yeah. to get there. Speaking of which, your Vols, eight and a half points, Oregon State. How we feel about that one? Not good. Not good. I would decent amount of points. Man, I mean, that's, that's another. Like, that's, that's another teaser. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm thinking. You get that down to about three and a half, you feel much better than eight. And much, a half. much better. Oregon State is a stingy team. I I think the Vols win this game, but yeah, eight and a half, you're probably having to win by double digits to cover, and I'm not I'm not there, I'm not there yet at least. So as as a guy that that begun the season riding Tennessee and just said, you know, I'm I I was very high on the Vols coming into this year. I, I thought they could make a Final Four run, and I rode them all the way as, as far I was. I said, I'm going to bet the line as far as and see how long I can go into the season before I get tired of it and before they just turn shaky. And it, it turned out it, it was only a couple of weeks. You know, they, they're such a Jekyll and Hyde team. It, it, they, it, it's, it's sickening. You know, it, it really is as a, as a fan watching this team sometimes where you're like, man, you know, what, where, what happened to the team last week? You know, you blew out Arkansas. What, what, where did this come from? And they, yeah, I, I would stick away. I would, and USC is a very similar team like that, Jekyll and Hyde, where you don't know who you're going to get. You know, there's a few teams where you're just not going to you're not going to lay the points on. Yeah, USC is a lot like. Um, I mean, obviously, the easy comparison would be Oklahoma State because you have a stud, an absolute stud out there that could be the best player on the court at any. Time. But you know, obviously, mm-hmm. you have Mobley, but you don't know if they're going to be able to put it together, if they're going to be able to get enough momentum to have a run. So. Uh, a dangerous it's weird because yeah. they're off the bus. They are a Final Four team, man. They, they, you got both Mobley brothers coming off first. You got Anderson, who's a stud, uh, you know, point guard that uh, that I like, and, and that's a very good looking team 
deep into the bench. Uh, and one of the, I think they're the tallest team in this tournament. Um, but yeah, they're, they're very Jekyll and Hyde and very, very dependent on Mobley. So a couple more oh, things. Yeah. They're, here. they're a little yeah. shaky. Couple more things here with Sean Sullivan on the money Mitch effect, and and just to be fair, I'm not saying go every underdog. That's a dangerous strategy, and I'll mm-hmm. do one for you right now. I'm not feeling Cal Santa Barbara. I'm not feeling that buzz. You know, I just I'm not. You're not feeling it. Cal Santa Barbara. Yeah, over Creighton, Creighton, right? Yeah, that's the one where I I think I'm a little I'm I'm not at that level. You know, I don't think that's set to happen. There's another game on here we're gonna get to that we're locked in on, but I'd say not Cal Santa Barbara. So I haven't watched the look of this team. This is this is a tip, and uh, I, and it's more on the other side. I think the Big East is is trash. Well, yeah. Um, and <laughs> and you know I think this is a first to twenty bet. If anything, I wouldn't go full game on this thing um, at all. And the one right below it. Yep. This is the, <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> I know. I know. I know where you were teasing. Virginia is not in Indianapolis yet. They're getting in. I would say before games tip off tomorrow, have to immediately quarantine, and then they get tested again at midnight, and then they practice for the first time in a long time, who knows when, uh, Saturday morning, and then they play Saturday night. So that is just a a, a lovely, uh, if if you are a, a fiend of first to 20, um, as we are, uh, matchup when you when you're playing a very feisty Ohio team that's going to come in and is, has been in Indianapolis is, is ready to rock and roll and it has not gone through what you just went through and and uh, you know quick 24 hours so yeah if you're looking for a full game upset bid go Winthrop if you're looking for a first to 20 bet go Ohio and that that is Agreed. that is that is I think that's what we're we're looking at. Agree. Bobcats can Ohio Bobcats can absolutely win this game. I actually think that a smarter, more rational play, if you're into that sort of thing, would be to tease them down to just plus, you know, or tease them up even more and get double digit points there. And at that point, I mean, yep. you're, you're really looking good because uh, Virginia could Virginia could grind away a win in this one, but I don't know, man. They they're not getting in as you said. They've had issues. Ohio's coming on. This is. You know, and they're a slow starter as well in general, even when they Historically are Historically slow space. Yeah, and when yeah. they're healthy, that's how they play. So, you know, I think they're, they could they could come back and win this thing. But yeah. I, I think Ohio's going to come out and punch them in the mouth and be the first to 20, first to 15, I would say, first to 40. I would say, yeah, uh, but, uh, looking at some other games right now, Kansas, 10.5, maybe a teaser potential against Eastern Washington if you get that down to like 5.5. Still some questions there, mm-hmm. but... Don't really know much about these. Yeah, I think they have they they have a lot of COVID questions, but I I don't know, man. Like they've been playing well. I think they're undervalued a little bit at yeah, this point. Just you know, a I bit. think yeah. they, they got bit with the COVID bug, and then everybody started to back off on them. I think they're a really really good team. I don't think Eastern Washington is going to give them trouble. Oregon, um, you know, could give them trouble later on. I don't see USC giving them trouble. Iowa could give them, but. Shoot, if they're healthy, man, I'm I'm taking them all the way to to, to give Gonzaga some issues in the lead eight. So yeah, beat Oregon or beat uh, yeah would be Iowa, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. That that's wow. You know, yeah, yeah if they're healthy, I mean, it's Kansas Gonzaga would be a fun game. That's a big if. Also, would say yeah. all the all the money is on, and I think we're starting to see your Big East is kind of trash theory is in, is uh, being proven a little on the right track because everyone's on Colorado yep. over Georgetown who just won the Big East tournament. Yeah, Colorado's a big bully. Uh, Tennessee played them earlier in this year, and I've watched them a good bit. They beat USC three times this season. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Buffs, uh, and that, that is that is a stand-on-the-table bet um, for sure. I, I think Georgetown's just, you know, riding, riding on fumes. So Cinderella dust on Patrick Ewan isn't going to travel from New York. It's all Buffaloes, baby. So we, uh, we've highlighted our favorite bets so far. We like Alabama to the Final Four. We like Winthrop, we like Ohio, and the first to 20. There might be some other ones we like, but those are probably the two that stand out. Parlays. And Colorado. And Colorado, of course. Parlays are we looking at right now? You know, two or three teams each day. I think you should. I think that's the way it should be done. You pick two or three teams each day. You don't want to cross the streams there, and you find who your don't favorites cross are. Don't cross streams. Uh, unless you unless unless you're trying to go Ghostbusters and just go crazy <laughs> on us. Um, I, I'm I for one am. Uh, 
just pile all resources on one day and then, uh, you know, kind of spread it out. So know? what's, so Friday, um, so Friday we can, so Friday looks like it could be Tennessee, Ohio State, and Baylor. Were those the three that we liked the yep. most? Yep. Okay, you can get those. And then the next day, I mean, there's still, you can go into Saturday with uh, a couple. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be opposed to adding an underdog in Ohio into that parlay mix, but it would be parlay with uh, Ohio as a dog, Kansas, and what, do you have a third one you like? Uh, is Georgetown on that Saturday? Too? Yeah, you can get, Col- mean, uh, you can Col- get yeah. Colorado down to one and a half. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Ooh, man. That might that be is, the one right that is there. Ridiculous. I, right? I, don't even know. I don't think you even need it. I think they're going to yeah, blow them so that's out. The thing. So yeah, if you, if you want it. So if you don't need it, then uh, yeah, you'd have to think about what the other one you'd like would be. And I would say maybe, hmm. Oregon. Oregon, yeah, like that's a good call. Oregon, you you yeah. adjust that line, and they're actually it's even money. Then you get a coin flip; they just have to win the game because they're five point favorites. Yep, wow. one. That's good, uh, Sully. Fun. I, I think the other thing would be um, we both like Gonzaga to win the tournament, so maybe just sprinkle some money on the undefeated season. You know, to get plus two hundred to win the tournament, there I think they're a shoe in for the Final Four, so you're basically two game uh, two game bet right there. Um, you, you never are, you know, but that bracket sets up so well for them, you know, and, uh, I, I like it, you know, why not, why not sprinkle a little bit, get, get your, get your long shot tournament, uh, with Bama and then get your, get your, get your odds on favorite with, with Gonzaga there. Yeah. And here's the thing you get down to, you know, you get down to some of these, you know, elite eight games, there could be value on the other side if you want to, you know, hedge a little bit or if you're, you know, changing yep. your mind. So. I'm excited. We just haven't had basketball in forever, so uh, big-time tournament basketball. So it's been uh, much anticipated, and uh, gosh, can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. We'll see what happens. Sully, pleasure as always talking to you. Good luck with everything. And uh, at least our hockey team didn't lose 9 nothing yesterday, so we have that going for us. Woohoo! The Flyers, baby, <laughs> get dismantled. And it's tasty it was tasty it was it's good to have nhl going for us as well uh even though our teams aren't exactly uh doing well but not not at the buffalo sabers level so we got that going for us oh my goodness yeah the 11 11 game home losing streak snapped the buffalo sabers who were coming out on just 11 game losing streak uh earlier <laughs> with the devil so did you, did you oh see, boy that was that you, was ugly and uglier did you see that the uh, the Buffalo News or the, whatever the sports page is ranked them dead last behind the Kraken, who haven't even started playing yet in their power in their power rankings? I love that. I did not see that. Oh, I got to read so that. Amazing. They ranked them thirty second. Social media. I think what do they what do, what do the Kraken have? The social media team. Essentially, that's what they're ranking above them. It's, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, this I is from it. the Buffalo newspaper. I got to read this. It said a circus act that deserves to be to be below a yet to start expansion team <laughs> yep uh, 100% uh, Sully this is fun best of luck to everyone out there on winning their college gambling bets and uh, thanks man for coming on the show thanks for having me good sir let's, uh, let's win some bets That's it for this week's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to Ryan Souls. Thanks again to Sean Sullivan for appearing as guests. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can catch every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect and it pops right up. A lot to discuss in the weeks to follow. You can catch me at Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, and the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. has got the content. All new episodes are posted there as well. Lots to discuss next week. We're going to have a March Madness update, some hockey talk, maybe some more updated NFL free agency news, as well as the start of baseball season coming up. It's a great time. As always, it's always a great time to be a sports fan, but we got a lot of content to keep pumping out. And a shameless plug, check out the TC Live podcast hosted by myself on the Tennis Podcast Network with interviews with the likes of Francis Tiafo and a new one coming up with Mackenzie McDonald as well. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time. Keep enjoying sports.